0: Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show is pre recorded. Everyday Wealth is produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky. Ms. Chatsky is not an employee or client of the firm. She receives fixed cash compensation as host and for related activities, and therefore has an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see slash everydaywealth. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed by the firm, technology spending, staff development. Succession planning and other metrics. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with personal finance expert Jean Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barons as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now here's Jean Chatsky.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me today on Everyday Wealth. I want to start with just a little story, an anecdote, as we journalists like to call them. Back in 2007, a Silicon Valley product designer named Chris Messina, not the actor, different Chris Messina, decided that there had to be a better way to organize the various streams of content on a new platform he was using called Twitter, which of course now is called X. And if you have ever used social media or been on a text or an email thread since then, since 2007, you have likely come across his solution, his innovation, It's the number sign, the pound sign, followed by a keyword or a phrase. And he called it the hashtag for generations that have grown up As digital natives, the hashtag is a ubiquitous part of daily communication. We use it to highlight everything from breaking news to our favorite pop stars to emerging social and cultural trends. It is also trivia for anyone who ever has the opportunity to pop by Millwood, New York, the name of the best sandwich ever at Rocky's Deli. It's called the hashtag open24hours, I'm just saying. But there is a particular hashtag that has been getting some traction over the past few years on social media that belongs a little bit more to Gen X and baby boomers than to millennials. And that's the hashtag never retire. Now, that might strike some of you as odd, because let's face it, when we survey the landscape of retirement reporting, it's usually focused on two basic groups, those who are just counting down the days and the minutes until they retire, and those who are concerned that they may never be in a financial position to retire at all. Earlier this year, the Wall Street Journal, though, conducted a study of its readers, and it unexpectedly put the spotlight on this third group of potential retirees who say that, in fact, they never intend to retire, not due to financial issues, but by choice and for a whole variety of reasons. We are going to unpack this phenomenon and these reasons today. I'm going to dig into this with my pal, Isabel Barrow, a wealth planner at Edelman Financial Engines. Isabel, always great to see you. Great to be here, Jean. Always good to see you also. So let me start out with a question for you. How do you feel about the Rolling Stones? <laughs> well,
2: they're the Rolling Stones. I mean, they're great, obviously. I'm maybe more of like Taylor Swift is a little more my speed, though, to be honest. Full-blown Swifty here.
1: You went to the concert in, in full Swifty regalia. But look, the reason I brought up the Stones is because at 80 years of age, Mick Jagger has said He's got no plans to retire because he loves what he's doing so much. And and that was one of the top reasons that people gave in this Wall Street Journal survey for not retiring. They said they like what they're doing. They are having the time of their lives. And, you know, Taylor looks to be having the time of her life as well, as do all of her Swifties. But she clearly has decades ahead of her to decide whether or not she wants to stop at any point.
2: Yeah. I mean, I love this and it makes so much sense to me based on some of these conversations that I've been having with clients and how their perspective around retirement might be changing. And another thing that we are are oftentimes talking to our clients about is just how much longer they can expect to be retired, really, than previous generations. I mean, they maybe watch their parents get to spend 10 or 15 years in retirement, but you know, you might be looking at 50 years in retirement. You know, compared to previous generations, and a lot of the retirement topics that we see in financial media are focused on, you know, what do you do in retirement? How do you spend down your money? How do you reimagine it to make sure that you don't outlive your money in retirement? And so it's all focused on this long and expensive retirement.
1: Yeah, that not outliving your money is, that's a big deal. In fact, we've done an episode on that topic called the four risks of retirement. If you didn't listen to it, you can check it out in our archives.
2: Right. And, you know, what we're talking about
1: today is actually a little bit different, right?
2: It's not reimagining yeah. retirement or or reworking retirement to be able to afford it, but rather just eliminating it altogether or, or maybe pushing it off for a lot longer than you expected or as long as possible. Because for some people, really the idea of a long retirement without the same level of Maybe it's intellectual stimulation or entertainment. Maybe it's interaction with coworkers. You know, it can leave them feeling like they lack um, a purpose or and maybe, you know, for some that just overall might be really unappealing. And a lot of people, you know, ultimately may find their purpose through their work or through their careers. I mean, not everyone, obviously, but there are some for whom you know the career that they've had or the job they've had really defines who they are. And there are many people out there who've worked hard and, and achieved a level of mastery in their careers and, and that they have the salary and the benefits that go along with that. And they may just not be willing to let that go quite yet. And so like if Mick or Taylor, you know, they enjoy what they're doing, why would they wanna stop?
1: You know, For them, retirement might just not make as much sense. We have a diagnostic at hermoney.com. It is, it's a money personality quiz that we call money type. It's, it's actually, it's fascinating. We developed it with a, a PhD out on the West coast and you take this test. And by the way, if anybody wants to take it, they can just find it at hermoney.com. It's free. And then it spits back to you your personality type. And there are five personality types, nurturers, connoisseurs, independents, visionaries, and producers. So I'm a producer. And producers, we like the treadmill. We like to produce. We like to keep the money rolling in. We like to keep working. Often you have a, a secondary money type too. minus connoisseur. We will dive into that another day. But I think that for People like me, for producers like me, there are a lot of reasons that retiring is really scary, right? It's it's scary from a financial perspective, even if you have plenty of money. And it's scary from an identity perspective, because if your work is something that is important to you and that gives you purpose, it feels like uh, you're losing something big by taking a step back. And so this never retire movement actually makes a lot of sense to me. And it it makes sense to me why it has picked up momentum in recent years, particularly after COVID when we were forced to take a step back in in so many instances. I mean, how do do you feel? Well, so...
2: First of all, I've been seeing this or hearing this a lot more from clients. I I have, I mentioned that earlier, you know, that there is maybe a shift happened because of COVID and either, you know, they're rethinking their relationship to work or, you know, or they're reevaluating the idea of retiring on that timetable because now the timetable is pushed back um, for one reason or another, or, you know, they just, I don't know, in some cases, Gene, I think that the being at home during COVID, you know, it actually pointed out to them some things that maybe they didn't like enjoy that much about the solitude or just not having the structure to their day. But, you know, I mean, for others, the pandemic meant cutting back on the amount of work that they were doing. You know, we called it the quiet quitting movement. Or maybe it's just, you know, the the move to the transition to for many to hybrid work mm-hmm. makes retirement. A little bit easier to push off because they don't have that long commute. Like the commute was what was killing them and they, you know, it was causing them stress and time and all those things. And it was a, an obstacle for them. And they were like, I need to retire because I got to get rid of this commute and the stress and all of those things around it. And maybe if they're working from home, that is gone.
1: Let's define our terms here because I don't want people to think we're talking about a few hours at a part-time job. For those in the never-retire movement, we're not talking about volunteering at a, at a local charity during retirement, although you can certainly do that as well, but really continuing to work close to full-time. Is that right? <laughs> That is kind of the underlying
2: premise of the movement. But I will say that there's a a caveat to that for many, which is you may continue to work full time, but maybe there's some modifications to how you're doing it. So in the article um, that accompanied that Wall Street Journal survey, they gave an example of a woman in Texas who was a lawyer and she walked away from a partnership at her law firm to start her own business so she could take on clients that she was specifically interested in helping. So she's still continuing to work full time and doing the same career, but she's doing it on her own terms in a way that, that she found was more rewarding for herself and probably gave her a greater degree of flexibility, not only in you know, choosing her clients, but also just kind of in, in now managing her career.
1: You know, this sounds to me like it has an awful lot in common with the FIRE movement. we talked about FIRE, standing for financial independence, retire early. But a lot of those FIRE people said, yeah, I don't really mean I'm going to retire. I just mean I'm going to work doing something that I actually want to do. I imagine like in this case, you could give up a career at a corporation to start your own business, or you could give up a full-time job at something that feels like a grind to you to take on a full-time job at something that feels more pleasurable and more purposeful.
2: Yeah, you know, I've, it's interesting that you brought up the topic of fire, right? So financial independence, retire early, because I've read a lot of articles, kind of since that uh, trend started, of people who had retired early and then were like, well, you know, I don't, I actually don't know if I'm going to stay retired. And it's not even the money that's driving them back to work. It's really just again, kind of that lack of structure, and maybe they 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 wanted to retire early so they could travel or they could do some things, and now they did them, and they're they're you know they're sort of now missing out. Out on um, what they enjoyed about their their previous career, um, or starting a new career. But you know, back to the never retire movement. You know, I have I have clients who have left their full time work to go to other full-time work, but in a completely different career. So Mm -hmm. those who have left to become a full-time teacher, but, you know, I have some clients who are teaching, but they're teaching online. So it's a, you know, it's it's a full-time job. They're teaching multiple classes per semester, but they're doing so online and they're teaching what they are an expert in that, you know, they transitioned from their career into teaching what they knew to students. Or those who maybe had an online business, a small online business, previously, that they are now putting all their time and energy into and, and you know, forming that into a full-time business. So this may come in, you know, kind of different forms. But I think with the labor market being as tight as, as it is, people are not feeling as pushed out of their careers as they were 10 years ago. You know, it, it's no longer... And it may be in some cases, obviously, but I think for the most part, you know, they're not feeling as pushed out because of their age and maybe they have the flexibility to work from home and hey, they're getting paid (laughs) and it's their highest earning years, you know, so it's pretty hard to leave unless you have some really specific plans for your retirement.
1: And some people do. Right. We are not suggesting here, Isabel and I, that you continue to work forever if that's not something that you want to do. If you're one of those people who've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the minute you can stop working to get out of there, then that's what you should do. But you should, of course, do it with a plan.
2: Right. right. I mean, you you mentioned that. We're talking about those never retire people. And, and, you know, there are those who say, I I really don't see a reason to retire ever. And then there are those who, when I say, what's your retirement goal? They say yesterday, you know, as, as literally as soon as possible. I have lots of plans and I want to do it. But one of the core concepts behind the type of financial and retirement planning that we provide at Edelman Financial Engines is that everybody is different and you may have completely different retirement goals and the bottom line is you want to be financially independent regardless of of what those goals are and you know and what your aspirations are so if your goal is to retire yesterday or as soon as you can, we can, we can help you. We can help you plan for that goal. I mean, maybe yesterday is not, you know, maybe going to work if you don't have enough money for it, but that's what we're here to try to figure out and help you with. Oftentimes people's ideas around retirement are based on what they think they're supposed to do, maybe what they saw their parents do or what, you know, all people in your generation are doing. And so you should do it too. But the truth is there's no one size fits all approach to retirement. So we're just trying to show people that there are options to consider.
1: Yeah. And if you're working with a financial planner already, fantastic. If you're not, and you're looking for someone, you can pick up the phone and talk to Someone like Isabel at Edelman Financial Engines at 833-PLAN-EFE. Isabel, we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, I want to pro and con this. I want to talk about some of the good things and some of the not so good things about the never retire movement. We'll be back right after this. Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second guessing your investment decisions? What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner. Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, they can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833 752 6333 or visit their website at com. put your uncertainties to rest once and for all schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now we are back with isabel barrow she's a wealth planner at edelman financial engines we're talking about the never retire movement in which participants have decided they're just going to keep on cooking, keep on working past retirement age for as long as they can. And there are some benefits to this, but there are some eh, not so good things as well. Let's, let's break it down, Isabel.
2: Well, I think so. Let's just, if we talk about the benefits first, I mean, the obvious, which is the financial benefit, right? I mean, more money from work is less money that you have to have saved. So every month that you're adding income from work, it reduces the amount you know in your that you need to have in your investment pot saved for retirement. And and it, I mean, it could also mean that you continue benefits you'd otherwise be paying out of pocket. But continued yeah. in- income obviously is an offset to your drawdown against your savings and your investments. It gives you more time to potentially fund that eventual retirement, if you think you're ever going to have it, you know, more contributions to your IRA or your 401k, even delaying retirement by a little bit can actually have a pretty big impact on your long-term plan, which I think surprises people when they get those numbers run for them. But ultimately, it's also, you know, more more time for your tax deferred accounts to compound and, and hopefully grow.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you talk about benefits, I mean, more time for your money to grow maybe means you can delay taking social security, which as we've talked about on this show can be a very, very positive financial move. More time on the company health plan can mean that you get a bridge to Medicare, right? And, and sometimes the quality of care is even better. Well,
2: that's right. I mean, I think, you know, waiting until Medicare age for many is um, is something that they, they don't really feel like they have a choice around. Because if you retire earlier than 65, you are either going to rely on maybe your company has a retiree medical plan or you're paying out of pocket, which can be dramatically different in terms of cost and pricing, even if you're looking at Affordable Care Act options. So that can be a huge benefit. You know, that subsidized health care plan might be less money out of your own pocket. Maybe it's a life insurance policy, accidental death policy, you know, other types of insurance. Maybe it's a legal plan. Maybe you have, have equity grants or a, an annual bonus that you're going to be missing out on. So, you know, there are quite a few advantages outside of just your salary from continuing to work, you know, if we're talking about health care, even just very specifically.
1: With Medicare, the relationship between an employer and the government gets a little dodgy, particularly if you're over 65. Can you explain it?
2: Right. Well, so, and and obviously this part is a little bit tricky because I want to say first and foremost that this is not an across-the-board answer. This is most of the time. But oftentimes, if you are over 65 and you're still working, um, you and or your spouse can stay on your health care plan without having to be on Medicare this is not the case for military, for example. If you're on Tricare, you do actually have to go on Medicare at 65. Um, but for you know, for many again, you're, you're able to delay taking Medicare until you are retired. And now, when you're retired, again, if your company doesn't have a company-sponsored health care plan for retirees, you're likely going to be on Medicare. And so you want to make sure that if you're delaying retirement, you keep that in mind that, hey, you know, I'm not, as soon as I put in those papers, I better start looking into getting myself signed up for Medicare and any supplemental plan or, you know, Medigap plan or Medicare Advantage plan, whatever you've opted for. And believe me, you'll be getting lots of mail about that if you haven't already.
1: You definitely, definitely will. Are there any other benefits to not retiring?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, it's also perhaps there's a a component of considering not just your own retirement, but maybe there are family dynamics, family needs that may contribute to people making this decision of either, you know, maybe never retiring or just retiring a lot later than they expected. And maybe it's that you have, uh, you're supporting children or grandchildren or your your parents and you have, you know, you have needs, for more income than you thought or that you anticipated. Um, Or maybe there's support options or, you know, coverage that's available through your employer that you're getting to help those dependents. Of course, you know, there's also just eliminating the fear of not having anything to do in retirement, which is surprisingly, I think, a lot of people's experience or maybe just their fear is that they're not going to have a structure to their day. They're not going to have enough to do. I mean, you can't travel 365 days a year. I guess you can, right? There are those you read about that are like on the cruise ship for five years or whatever, but, you know, that's not on most people's to-do list. So, you know, it's a, it's kind of a matter of having things to do that are going to provide you with a sense of purpose and fulfillment. And then, you know, on the financial side, again, it's more of those high earning years when you're adding to social security or delaying your social security payments a little longer meaning you're getting more for waiting and and for many it's just simply the emotional benefit they get from being stimulated by work by staying up to date on all the topics that are interesting to them you know and and getting that extra stimulation from the work they do and they re- and they really have no incentive to leave other than just because that's what people do they eventually retire
1: yeah it's a real ball of wax right and there are I feel like I, I sort of am channeling the bachelor a little bit where we talk about people who are working for the right reasons and the wrong reasons. And just like your financial plans are not one size fits all, I think that this is an example of not one size fits all, right? There are different scenarios that just work for different people. And if you're going to go in this direction, you shouldn't do it without the numbers to back you up, right? If you're working for financial reasons, you should know why you're working for financial reasons and how long you have to work. If you're working for pleasure or for purpose, you should have a definition of what is purposeful to you and know that there may come a time where this no longer feels Purposeful. If you're doing this for social reasons or for, I just think it's, there are a lot of questions and you need to keep revisiting and reevaluating. This doesn't have to be a decision that you make once and stick with forever.
2: And I would add that, you know, I, I think an interesting piece of this that we haven't really touched on yet is just you know, is this a decision that you're making without your spouse or are you including your Mm -hmm. spouse in this decision? Because, you know, I think oftentimes also it's, there's a little bit of pressure one way or the other, you know, keep working because we're worried about money or, you know, don't retire because, you know, I've got my, I I like doing what I'm doing at home. I've got my own schedule and my own things to do. And you're kind of, you know, interfering with that if you're around all the time, but it's, you know, it's a, it's going to be sort of what's your psychological makeup and what is your spouse view as, their goal and and or your partner and you know how are you going to handle that and you talked about somebody doing this for the wrong reasons and choosing to never retire from work maybe because they just you know again don't know how to turn it off or they're just terrified to do it because of the way that they were raised or they they feel obligated to work as long as they can for the financial reward of that, regardless of whether or not they need it just because they're afraid to do otherwise. And in that case, if you're working just because of guilt or because of some perceived obligation or a misplaced sense of, of responsibility, you know that's not necessarily healthy either. And I feel like that should be something that you view through maybe a therapist? And we say that all the time, like talk to somebody about it, let's just figure out because maybe knowing that you're okay and you don't have to keep working, maybe that can help to kind of lead you to making a decision to finally let go.
1: Yeah, and and I think that if, if it's not a financial question, if it's a who am I question, what am I gonna do question, there is this growing field of retirement coaches who now can help you ease your way into this next phase of life. There is no issue with getting help. You know, we are big fans here of, of getting the help that you need. And, and of course, getting the financial help.
2: Well, I mean, when you're thinking about where you're going to go to college, that's only four years, but you have a college counselor, you know, someone to help you decide where to apply. And when you're getting out of college, let's say, you know, you're talking to career counselors, you're, you know, you're going to career fairs, you're thinking about all these different options you have in life. But with retirement, it's like, you know, you walk in, you sign a piece of paper and you walk out, you know, two weeks later and, you know. Shake some hands and, and now like what? It's, it can be, I think it can be very intimidating to think about having to now formulate what is going to be what a third of your life for many, a game plan. And you most of the time don't have time to think about that, right? In your working years, you're spending all your time thinking about, you know, paying the bills and going to work and the commute and fixing the car and getting to your doctors when you have a day off and planning your vacation. But you're not really thinking about what does my retirement look like? What do I really want? Every single day for that to be for me. And I, you know, again, I think that there's just, um, there's lots of different types of people out there, and we're all going to have to make that decision at some point in time if we ever plan to retire. You know, what is it going to look like? So start thinking about it. It should be fun.
1: Yeah, it should absolutely be fun. Isabel, this is great. You've given us a number of reasons for picking up the phone and calling if we don't have somebody on our side to help us through this. If you're looking for a financial advisor, you can always give the folks at Edelman Financial Engines a call at 833 plan efe Great to see you. Have you seen the Taylor Swift movie yet? I just have to ask. Oh, please. Day one, as soon as it opened, we were there. We were dancing in the aisles.
2: There was like three dozen, you know, elementary school aged little girls and boys dancing to, you know, Taylor in the front. I was right up there.
1: You know, we had our- And we what had era our, were you?
2: What was I? I think I was Midnight's, you know, I had on my glitter and sequins.
1: As you always do. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for
2: being here. Thanks so much for having me, Jean. Great to see you. You
1: too. And now I want to welcome a guest to the show. Rob Berger is joining us. He is a former securities lawyer, the founding editor of Forbes Money Advisor, and also the author of Retire Before Mom and Dad, which... Despite that title of that book, uh, he has actually retired three times and still keeps going back to work. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us.
3: Hi, Jane. Thanks for having me.
1: Tell me a little bit about these three failed retirement attempts.
3: Yeah, well, the first one was from the practice of law, and uh, it was probably the most difficult for me for, I think, a lot of reasons. It took me five years to retire. It was sort of it was a process. First, I thought about it for 10 years, and then I went part-time, and it sort of wound down to me five years of going more and more part-time to finally retire. I think there were a lot of reasons for it. For one thing, my identity was sort of wrapped up in being a lawyer. It's what I'd always wanted to do, and I'd practiced law for about 20, 25 years. So that was difficult, and then just financially, you know, I'd had a, a side business, and it made some money. But there was always the question, you know, are, are we going to have enough to live on? I was fairly young. I was in my late 40s, so I wasn't retiring at a, a traditional time. And so there were just a lot of, I think, you know, crunching the numbers and emotional issues, and it fa- it failed. Uh, well, it didn't fail right away. So when I retired from the practice of law, I decided I would keep running my little business. It was very much a lifestyle thing. I wasn't, you know, I, I, it wasn't a, I didn't go into the office. I didn't work nine to five. I worked from my home. And that lasted a couple of years. And then I sold the business. So that the second retirement was a true retirement, if you will, in the sense that I had no income coming in from work or business. And that one was probably the big, quote unquote, failure, because two months later, I went to work for Forbes. So <laughs> I, I managed to stay retired for two months.
1: What was it about not working? Was it not earning an income that was daunting? Was it not being busy that was daunting? Was it the identity that you were talking about? I mean, quite frankly, I have not tried to retire yet, even a little, but all of those things sound very scary to me.
3: Yeah, so a big part of it is financial. You know, they talk about the 4% rule or other ways to figure out how much you can spend in retirement without going broke. You know, and I'll confess, I've spent countless hours studying that topic and and reading articles. But, you know, it's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to live it. And even though financially we were fine by any measure, you know, whether it's the 4% rule or something else, particularly when you're relatively young for retiring, it's a scary thing to do. It's And, you know, I talk to a lot of people now and and, that tell me that I'm not alone in this, that when you, you know, when you go from saving – for 20, 30, 40 years to all of a sudden now, not only not saving, but now spending that money down, I think psychologically, that's a big transition. Yeah. And at least for me, it wasn't one that uh, was easy for me to make. So that was a big part, frankly, of of going back to work. And then you've got the question of health insurance. Of course, you, you can buy it on your own. And that's what we do today. But that, I think, was a big transition, too, because, you know, when you start to look at the price tag of health insurance, when you're paying for all of it, it's not It's not cheap. So that was all a big part of it. Part of it was the opportunity. I thought it would be fun to work at Forbes, and it was. I did that for about two years. So part of it was just wanting something to do. I'm not one that just wants to go play golf five days a week or, or fish five days a week or I don't know, whatever you might do. Uh, I wanted something that I found challenging, and it fit that as well.
1: I think it's interesting that you continued to do other things. They were different things sort of along the way. How do you frame the difference between working part-time in retirement and continuing your career in retirement?
3: Yeah, so it's a good question. And and for me, what I've always found interesting is an opportunity, whether it's full-time or part-time, where I can learn something new. So like in, in my legal career, I was I did technology-related litigation for the first half of it then I got a chance to go into the sort of the security side. And what I found interesting about that was getting to learn something new. And, and so, but then that ran its course. So when I went to Forbes, and that was full-time, although part, you know, part of that was, most of that was working from home, but that was now learning something entirely different. And I that's what I found interesting. And that ran its course. And so I was there for just two years. And sort of the next new thing for me to learn was YouTube and producing content in video format, which I hadn't really done. So that was exciting. So to me, it's not even so much part-time versus full-time as it is an opportunity to learn something new. I do think the ability to control my time, work when I want to and work where I want to, that's critical. If my option were to be completely retired or report to an office Monday through Friday, nine to five, I would completely retire. I do value the control over my, my time
1: we started this show with a discussion of sort of the never retire movement. And I, to my husband's chagrin, sort of put myself in that camp. I can imagine a slowing. I can imagine doing less of sort of what I've been doing in some way, shape or form. But what would you say are the biggest misconceptions about this never retire movement?
3: yeah I think one of them is that if you don't retire, your work always looks the same. that you're always working in an office, you're always working nine to five, and it's either that or you retire. And particularly today, there are so many things that you can do that allow you to work when you want, where you want. And that's true whether you, you know like I'm working for sort of on my for myself, but the same can be true if you're working for someone else, depending on on the work that you're doing. And so my wife and I can go on vacation whenever we want. I'm not working the whole time we're gone, but if I need to do something, I can. I can do it from anywhere where there's an internet connection. And so I feel retired in the sense that I don't feel obligated to answer to anyone, to work a 40-hour work week, to work in a specific location. And so when you've got that sort of lifestyle-friendly work that you enjoy doing and that produces an income, I don't... I don't see why you'd ever quit.
1: When you meet somebody at a cocktail party, and I'm I'm just curious, and they say, hey, Rob, what do you do? What do you say?
3: It depends what kind of mood I'm in. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, because when someone asks that, you know, they think job, but the fact is we all do a lot of different things. But I suppose if it came down to one thing, I would probably today say I'm a YouTuber. I think that's where I, I spend most of my time. But I'm working on my second book. I have a couple of, of websites. I play, believe it or not, tournament chess. I know, not very exciting to most people. You know, I I do some programming. So you know, I spend a lot of time with our granddaughter and family. So you do a lot of things. But I say, from a professional perspective, probably a YouTuber.
1: And you wouldn't, you would never say I'm retired.
3: No, sometimes I'll say I'm semi-retired. I certainly feel like I live a retired lifestyle. But you know, I think if you're, you know, if you're still earning decent income. Even if you you love what you're doing, I'm not quite sure describing that as retired is, is the right way to go, at least not for me.
1: So if you had to sort of pro and con it as we wrap this up, what are the advantages to never retiring? What are the disadvantages?
3: Well, the advantages, particularly if you're doing something you love, is that it gives you purpose, and, and it's just enjoyable if you, you know, and then from the financial side, you don't have to worry about the 4% rule, at least not as much. Even if it's not covering all of your expenses, having some level of income can go a long, long way in terms of financial planning and retirement. I think the disadvantage, frankly, I don't think there are a lot of disadvantages, but, but everything comes with an opportunity cost. Right now, I'm talking to you. Right now, and I I guess I could be doing something else. And if I didn't have a YouTube channel, I recorded a video this morning. If I didn't do that, I would, I would be doing something else. So there's always opportunity costs. And for me, what I try not to do is sacrifice time with family. Mm -hmm. So as long as I, you know, I don't do that, that would be the biggest opportunity cost that I, I think I would miss out if I let my work get in the way of that. But beyond that, you know, I think, at least for me, there aren't that many downsides to it.
1: I think this is fascinating. I think it's a topic that is evolving around us as we speak. So I hope we'll be able to talk about it again. Rob, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. And that's it for this show. I want to thank Isabel Barrow for being here as well. If the idea of never retiring intrigues you or... If you're at the other end of the spectrum and you can't wait for that day till you stop working, give the folks at Edelman Financial Engines a call. Talk with one of the planners like Isabel, who can create a plan to help you reach your goals, whatever they may be. And be sure to subscribe to Everyday Wealth wherever you stream your favorite podcasts or visit us at everydaywealth.com where all of our episodes are available to you. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon.
0: You've been listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. If you've missed an episode or are interested in additional personal finance topics, be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast. Our podcast library offers helpful insights on topics such as tax-efficient portfolios, retirement withdrawal strategies, investing, and financial planning, to name just a few. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.